resurrection of Jesus. Uh, thank God he got up. And that when he got up, we got up. Amen. We've been looking at the ministries of Jesus. We've talked about his ministry of saving and his ministry of mending. Thank Pastor Frank for sharing with us uh, last week on rest. Uh, awesome job. Many said it was an on-time word for them, and we're thankful for that. And uh, we're going to just keep praying for them and lavishing love on them as they take this next month and just rest. Uh, so be praying for them, and we've got a great lineup of different worship leaders coming in to help us through the month, and it's going to be great. Um, but this morning we're going to look at the anointing of Jesus. He said in Luke 4.18, he starts off that sermon by saying, The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. It's something that he turns to that spot in Isaiah 61, and he repeats those words, and then he really lives out that he was stepping into his ministry. If you read Luke 3, he has been baptized. When he is baptized, Luke's gospel says that the heavens were rent. Opened up. That means you and I are living under an open heaven because nowhere in the scripture does it say they have ever closed back up. So that we are living under an open heaven. The spirit descended in the form of a dove. The voice of the father spoke. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now the spirit of God was present at his birth because Luke 1 tells us it was by the Holy Spirit that Mary conceived. The spirit of God was present at his baptism. And then the Spirit of God is present as he begins his public ministry with an anointing. It says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. And then it lists the different things there. And we've been talking about proclaiming the good news. Do you know that in the Old Testament, there were prophets that were anointed. And when they were anointed with oil, that oil was poured over them. They were anointed to be a mouthpiece to proclaim what the Lord had said. Jesus' proclamation was not a woe and a judgment like an old prophet, Old Testament prophet. His word was, this is the acceptable year of the Lord. The favor of the Lord is profusely abounding. That's good news. And even our alarms are telling us that it's good news. And then we have, uh, he has come to mend. Well, he's mending broken hearts through the anointing of the spirit that was on his life. He's... Uh, restoring, he's bringing freedom, he's healing. All of those things listed in Luke 4 is because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was upon his life. There, it says there in Luke 3 that he was led by the Spirit. It says in verse uh, 1 of chapter 4, being full of the Spirit, he was led by the Spirit. You know you'll be led by what you're full of? If you're full of anger and rage, it will lead you. If you're full of hurt and grief, it's going to lead you. But he was full of the Spirit. I prophesy to you and believe that you are full of the Spirit, that I am full of the Spirit. We need to let the Spirit lead us. He was resurrected by the Spirit. It says in Romans 8:11, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is what energizes you and I. He dwells in us. Pentecost was the initial outpouring of the promise of the Father. 
He has continued to pour into our hearts by the Holy Ghost. That has, He's never put the cork back on the bottle. The Holy Spirit is always being poured out on those who believe and in those who believe. Holy Spirit's anointing equips, empowers, emboldens, and energizes us just as he did Jesus when he stepped in to his public ministry. Now, Jesus did not defeat the devil as deity. He defeated the enemy as a man full of the Holy Spirit anointed to do the works that the Father had sent him to do. And because he's defeated and we have an anointing according to 1 John 2.20, it says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Verse 27 says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you just like it did Jesus. You, I grew up and for so long struggled with being anointed or having the power of the Spirit because I was taught that I had, there was a list of a lot of things that I had to accomplish before I could be filled. I don't know if any of you grew up, and I'm not condemning that. I'm just saying that in that juncture of my journey, there were a lot of things that had to be detracted from my life and subtracted in order for me to be worthy to be filled with the Spirit, and then it, it became a separate event of being filled with the Spirit after I accomplished certain things. You know, reading, praying, fasting, uh, not doing this, not watching this, not going there, all of these different things. I'm not saying any of those things were bad, but when in my mentality to receive an anointing, I had to do certain things to be worthy to have that anointing on me. And then when I didn't do those things, the anointing left. Now that is an old covenant mentality. David expressed that. He moved in and he has no plans of moving out. <laughs> he lives and dwells in you. Someone asked um, Kenneth Hagin, Daddy Kenneth Hagin, he said... Does the Holy Ghost move out when I sin? Do I lose the anointing? This is Daddy Hagen's answer, okay? So don't get mad at me. This is what he said, and he's in glory now. He said, Holy Spirit didn't say he would stay two weeks. He didn't say he would come on vacation and visit us. He said the Holy Ghost would come that he might abide with you and in you forever. Somebody then said, Brother Hagen, don't you believe that if a man sins, the Holy Ghost leaves him? And he responded, certainly not. If ever he left us, we would be forever doomed. The Holy Ghost doesn't come and go. There is no scripture that even says that. The scripture says he dwells. The anointing remains. The anointing equips you for the work of the ministry. The crime that has been committed in the Western church, the, the culture of Christianity in the West, is that the Holy Spirit and His anointing is one of the most dividing instruments of all biblical doctrine. 
we've allowed it to divide us when it was poured out on us in unity. And so the Spirit of God desires to unite us. We are already one with Him. We're in perfect union with Him, and that is an unbroken unity. But the body of Christ coming into unity together is the Spirit of God's desire for us. You know the anointing gives peace under pressure? The anointing of God gives strength in the storms of life. If I read it properly, it's the Holy Spirit and His anointing that He says you have an anointing from the Holy One. And it says that that anointing which you have received abides in you. There's not an oil that abides in you. It's a person. So that person, it's the anointing is the Holy Spirit. It was a tangible, visible oil that was poured over priests, prophets, and kings, and even instruments, articles, utensils, and objects were anointed to be set apart. But you and I have the Holy Spirit, which, and He gives us His anointing. And as that anointing abides in us, and it gives us uh, life. We have life in us because of the Holy Spirit. We have hope. It, it instills a hope in us because of the Holy Spirit. The anointing, I love this one, is intoxicating. <laughs> Ephesians 5.18 says, And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The wine of the Spirit is euphoric. No, I, no, I like the most. I, I, I didn't grow up in a scene of um, drunkenness. I just didn't know what it was to be drunk or to see anybody that was drunk, except for a couple of times there was an older gentleman in Nitro his name was Pig Lewis. That's just what they called him. I don't know why people called him Pig Lewis, but his name was Pig. And Pig was the town drunk. And I saw him staggering down the street several times. And when I was thinking about this, you know, intoxication makes people walk differently. Come on. You'll walk differently under the intoxication of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh You'll be led by the Spirit and you will walk differently. You will talk differently. I've seen in movies, and Jennifer can portray an intoxicated person in their slurred speech pretty well. And uh, you talk differently when you're under the anointing and you receive the Holy Spirit. He said it will give us a new tongue. You can pray in the Spirit. You can pray with understanding. Your speech is affected by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, here's a good one. People's behavior changes when they're intoxicated. I am, I'm referring to this as the anointing of the Spirit on our life that our behavior will change. Instead of trying to change our behavior to be worthy of receiving the Holy Spirit, you have received the Holy Spirit. He dwells in you and He will help you walk differently, talk differently, and act differently. Now, everybody hold on to your wallets and your pocketbooks. When you're intoxicated, you spend your money differently. Uh, it's, uh, 
when these drunk people all of a sudden say, I'll buy everybody in the bar a drink. (laughs) They're generous with their money. And they treat people differently. I've, I've talked to many, many wives who didn't want to be around their husbands when they were intoxicated. This will cause us to treat different people differently because we'll treat them with the love of God that's been infused into our hearts, which Romans 5 says was poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, You know, we don't have to live dull in 2023. Lacking interest or excitement, lacking the shine or the brightness, lacking uh, intensity. A lot of people... Uh, are passionate about a lot of things. But I'm I'm concerned that we have lost a passion for the things of God. We've lost a passion for church attendance. We've lost a passion for reading the scriptures. We've lost passion and intensity for prayer. I'm just, that's generally speaking. Where's that intensity? The Holy Ghost will give you an edge. The Holy Ghost gives you an edge. I know Lisa prayed it over her kids. I prayed it over mine as well. We pray it over all of our kids still today. This is the Daniel 1.10 that says that you will be 10 times wiser than all of your peers. You'll have an edge above. In Hebrews, the first chapter, verse number 9, it says because you have diligently sought righteousness... You have been anointed above, the Passion Translation says, more than all of your friends. The Holy Ghost, if we will allow that uh, life-giving spirit that's within us, the anointing doesn't have to just be for singing and prophesying and preaching. The anointing in and on your life can give you an entrepreneurial idea that launches you above. It can give you a, a, a way out, an answer in a problem that solves a lot of things for you that otherwise you wouldn't have known because it's the Holy Spirit in you giving you discernment, wisdom, knowledge. The Holy Spirit is intellect. The Holy Spirit is the CIA. CIA. He is the central intelligence agent that lives on the inside of you. And he knows things that others don't know. That gives us an edge. It causes us to shine. The Holy Ghost brings that excitement, that intensity that we need. Holy Ghost is more than just power. Thank God for his power. But he's wisdom and understanding and he infuses us with the elements of his kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Where are they located? In the Holy Ghost. I had a lot of notes, but I've gone through this quickly this morning to not hold you long and not to bore you with a lot of things and to get you to understand that there isn't a course of five things that you must do to receive the Holy Spirit. 1 John 2.20 says you have an anointing and you have received that. Here's the difference. Some know it and some don't. Some have awakened to it. There's a lot of terminology across denominational lines that would have called it different things. Infilling, indwelling, baptism, second work of grace. There's just a lot of theological terminology that we can use for it. What I want you to understand this morning is you don't have to earn it. It's a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift that the Father gave. It was a promise. 
that Jesus said it was expedient and it was to our advantage for him to go away so that he could send the Spirit of God. And that when you believe, the only work of God that you must do, John 6, 29, is to believe that when he did not withhold any good thing from you, when he gave it to you, he gave it all to you. And you have received that, we must awaken to it and walk in it and understand that it imparts life and it implants hope. It gives us power to overcome opposition. And it gives us an edge. Lastly, the indwelling Spirit of God through His anointing reveals to us our identity. In Matthew, the 16th chapter, when Jesus asked the disciples, Who do men say that I am? And Peter responds with, Thou art the Christ, after a conversation. And Jesus says unto Peter, Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. In other words, you didn't read it in a book. You weren't taught it. But my Father in heaven, through His Spirit, has revealed it to you. When we receive revelation, it's through the Holy Spirit that He reveals things to to us. The secrets, He says, are revealed to us of the mystery of the kingdom. And because of that revelation that Peter had that Jesus was the Christ, then Jesus responds to him and says, because you know who I am, let me tell you who you really are. You are Peter, rock. And he gave him his identity as a son. The Holy Spirit reveals to us who we are as sons and daughters. And he leads us as sons and daughters. Have you ever felt pressured? Have you ever felt like you're being driven and uh, like a bunch of uh, donkeys that have to be prodded along and maybe beat with a rod? I don't know how you do that, Kathy, but you can teach me. Uh, The same way you do it with Brian. (laughs) That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is out in front of you, gently guiding you, and He invites you to follow. Now, the Holy Spirit will tell you, I'm not going that way. I probably wouldn't go that way, but He will not keep you from going that way. You have a choice to make, and the best choice to make is to listen to that small voice. You know that even Aristotle, who didn't realize and recognize and have the training and the teaching that we had, said that you should submit to that small voice that's speaking to you inside. As we reign in this life, we worship in the Spirit, we walk in the Spirit, we pray in the Spirit, and we are renewed by the Spirit. The kingdom of God's rule and reign over the earth was established through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of King Jesus, but it was inaugurated on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And Peter says that this is that which Joel prophesied about. Now, if this is that then it's an event that has already occurred with ongoing benefits. He is still pouring out on all flesh. The kingdom of God cannot, 
Listen to this. If you don't get anything else this morning, write this one down. Remember this one. The kingdom of God cannot and does not function or operate in the earth without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That was evident by Jesus proclaiming right off the bat when he started his public ministry that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me and he has anointed you. We could go on and on. There's scriptures full of the different gifts of the Spirit that have been the graces of God that have been given to us that operate and function through and by the Spirit. The kingdom of God is in operation in the world today through the vessel of you and I that has been filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me? Too much effort is taken to control and cage the move of the ghost in the church today. The work of Holy Spirit is not to get you to conform, but rather to be transformed. And His work isn't spooky, it's spiritual. It's not mystical. The anointing isn't mystical, it's marvelous. And His work isn't natural, it's supernatural. If one of you would just come and play, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Can you just say that out loud? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And He has anointed me. I've been talking to a couple of folks, one of the brothers here in our church, going through something. Right now, Lisa made mention of a lot of people going through a lot of different things. Um, Some of you, it's just piled up. I'm reminded that Isaiah said that the the anointing breaks the bondage and destroys the yoke. It's the enemy's task to yoke you up with a lot of performance, with a lot of do, 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 do. And I'm not saying that we don't work. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. But that doesn't earn us anything. But there is an effort. But if it's just always do, 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 that's a yoke of bondage that's on your neck that is an old covenant mentality that tries to get you to perform in order to receive. And I want you to know that the anointing of the Holy Spirit that has been given to you and that you already possess, as you awaken to it, the yoke will be destroyed and the burden will be removed. See, there's a a burden on a lot of people because of a lot of different things. Jesus said, my burden is light. It's not heavy or ill-fitting, the Message Bible says. I love that. There's no ill intent in the Father's will towards you that he would put anything on you to make you feel heavy. That's an attack in your mind. You're at the adversary. It's adversity against what Jesus has already said and spoken to you. Matter of fact, preaching towards itching ears is not anything other than you want to hear what you need to do. People have itching ears to hear us tell them what they should do and should not do. 
that's, that's false teaching. Here's the truth of the gospel. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit that resides on the inside of you. You need not a teacher. He will teach you and guide you into all truth. It's good news that you have an indwelling spirit. But here's the key to that. Surrender. Surrender. If we don't surrender and submit to His will, He will allow us to take this path. But remember this week that you have the anointing and it destroys the yoke and it lifts the heavy burden over you. Would you just lift your hands and let that burden roll off of your back? So there's no other sign of surrender than to put your hands up. Surrender to the Spirit of God this morning. on us move Holy Spirit so on the day of Pentecost there was a mighty rushing wind that blew in there were tongues of fire over every head that fire burns within our hearts now Rekindle that fire that once burned bright in us. That intensity, that passion. How does it happen? You surrender to the Spirit of God that's already in you. I'm going to ask you to respond this morning as the Holy Spirit draws you. So it might be a time to come and kneel at the altar, stand at the altar, and just as an act of surrender and faith, believing that the Holy Spirit that's in you has never left you. And that the anointing is present in your life. You can and will accomplish what he's called you to do. Let's just sing and minister to the Lord and respond as he leads you. Lord.